you know, uh, when they went in and fixed my heart, they could just go ahead and fix my back and my knees right away, but uh, pray that's not the way it works. <laughs> so uh, standing for a long time does still affect my back, and you say, well, how can you play golf? Well, I sit down after every shot <laughs> and ride to the next shot. So it's therapy anyway, right, Ken? All right, uh, Daniel's 70 weeks. Now, we started this last uh, time in chapter 9, and we want to continue on here uh, as we've seen in our study of the book of Daniel, uh, parts of the book are historical, parts are prophetical. And uh, when we d see the pro prophecies of the book, we divide it into two distinct parts, the prophecy concerning the Gentile nations of history and the prophecy concerning the nation of Israel. Now, um, in verses 1 through 19, uh, that was Daniel's, remember, that was Daniel's devotion time uh, he was reading from the prophet Jeremiah, and uh, during that devotion time, he had a heavenly visitor uh, by the name of Gabriel, and uh, it was a time of the evening sacrifice, oblation, that Daniel had this visit from Gabriel, and uh, this visit had a very important mission behind it. It was to reveal and explain Daniel uh, to Daniel the prophecy concerning the nation of Israel. And uh, so uh, that's kind of what we've uh, looked at to begin with. And then we looked at the six purposes uh, or goals that uh, uh, Gabriel gave to Daniel, explained these goals that would be accomplished during the period of this period of time. And uh, those goals, those purposes were to finish the transgression, uh, uh, to make an end of sins, uh, to make uh, reconciliation for iniquity, uh, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. And again, literally the most holy place, uh, not necessarily holy person. Uh, usually when it says the most holy, it's referring to the place. Now, uh, we read there in verse 25 uh, that Gabriel spoke of seven weeks, three score and two weeks. And then verse 27, he refers to one week, speaking of three distinct periods of time, uh, one period of seven weeks, one period of three score and two weeks, and a period of one week. Now, I've given you a little chart in your bulletin that uh, will help you to kind of see that visually. And, and as we look at these uh, 70 weeks, uh, again, each of these weeks refers to a year. Uh, seven weeks would be 49 years. Three score and two weeks is 62 years. Would be together 434 years plus uh, one week, which is seven years. And uh, we end up with a total of 490 years. Uh, the 70 weeks is a prophecy that covers that 490 years. Now, we've we want to look today at the three distinctive uh, times uh, that are referred to beginning here in verse 25. First of all, there's a time of construction. Verse 25 tells us that uh, uh, know, therefore, understand 
Again, this is what Gabriel's trying to give Daniel understanding. And of course, uh, God put that in his, uh, in his book so we would get, have some understanding. But know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. Uh, the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. So the period of these 70 weeks involves the period of 49 years. And uh, Gabriel explains two things that's going to happen, that are, will happen or did happen uh, during those 49 years. Of course, to Daniel, it's prophecy. To us, it's, it's history. First, there's going to be a return. A return. Behind Gabriel's words is the return of the Jewish people to their land. The book of Daniel began with certain Jews being carried into Babylon. Now Gabriel tells Daniel that he and his people will be released. They'll be allowed to return to their land. Uh, Daniel and those who were carried into Babylon would spend a total of 70 years in Babylon. And how it was uh, must have thrilled the heart of Daniel uh, to hear the words, you're going home. You know, if you've been someplace a long time and it's not your home, uh, it's always kind of nice to hear those words. We're going home, all right? And it's uh, like I heard on, on, on Monday, uh, they talked about keeping me overnight, and, uh, and then they said, well, we talked about it, and you're going home. All right, good. I can sleep in my own bed tonight, you know? Uh, hospital beds aren't made to, to rest in and sleep in, uh, so... Uh, Anyway, I was glad to be hearing that. Well, Daniel was certainly glad to hear those words, you're going home. So you have a return. But we not only see a return, we see a rebuilding. Uh, when they returned, they would restore uh, uh, to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince. And the city of Jerusalem and the temple uh, had been ransacked. It had been left in shambles by Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, upon their release and return to the land, of course, there was the great task of rebuilding Jerusalem and the temple. I'm sure that was discouraging to go back and see everything in just a pile of uh, rubbish. Uh, but the record of this rebuilding we find in the books of Nehemiah and Ezra. Now, we've studied those some years ago now, I guess it's been, uh, but... Uh, uh, we're not going to go back and look at them tonight or today or even in this study here, but just remember, Nehemiah and Ezra, that's talking about the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple. And in verse 25, that street shall be built again and the wall. Uh, Nehemiah tells us about the streets and the walls. Uh, and then Gabriel adds these words, in troublous times. Uh, the book of Nehemiah tells about the opposition. Remember the men that uh, created opposition, the difficulties that they encountered. Uh, in 458 B.C., Artaxerxes I gave the decree to Ezra that permitted Ezra and the other Jews to return to Palestine to reestablish the practice of services uh, uh, in the temple. And a second decree of Artaxerxes I was issued to Nehemiah three years later in 445 B.C. And Nehemiah returned to rebuild the streets and the walls, just as Gabriel said. Now, history tells us that this re reconstruction took 49 years, or as Gabriel said, seven weeks. 
this is another example of the prophecy that history has proven to be accurate. God's word is accurate. It's true. Uh, the book of Daniel, uh, it's an example in the book of Daniel that what God says is true. So there is a period of seven years, the first period of time within the 70 weeks, it was a time of construction. In the second period of time, we see a time of rejection. In verse 25, we read there, seven weeks and three score and two weeks. So following the seven weeks, that is 49 years, of reconstruction would follow a second period of 62 weeks or 434 years, and that would conclude with certain things happening. Uh, look at verse 26. Verse 26 says, And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood unto the end of the war. Desolations are determined. Again, let me remind you of the math a little bit there, okay? We see the math, do the math. Uh, giving us a, a good math lesson here, I guess, in, in biblical terms. Gabriel was telling Daniel the period of 483 years would pass, and at the end of those 48, 483 years, this, then there would be uh, something else that would occur. So you have, first of all, the coming of the Messiah. In verse 26, Gabriel speaks of the Messiah. Of course, the Messiah is the Lord Jesus. Messiah means anointed one. It refers to one consecrated to a particular office uh, or role. Uh, over in the book of Acts, the Bible tells us in Acts 10 and verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Jesus is the anointed one, the Messiah. Uh, the Lord Jesus, as the Messiah, anointed one, came to fulfill the goals that we saw there in verse 24, to make reconciliation for iniquity. And when the angel announced to Joseph that Mary was with child, he said, And he shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one. So you have the, the coming of the Messiah. Secondly, uh, Gabriel not only revealed the coming of the Messiah, but also the crucifixion of the Messiah. Notice there in verse 26 that Gabriel said the Messiah would be cut off. Uh, the words are used figuratively uh, of eliminating or removing or destroying something. Uh, the words used here in Scripture uh, speak of death. For example, after the flood of, in Genesis, God said to Noah, I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall, my, or neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of the flood. Cut off. Uh, Genesis 9-11. God was assuring Noah that all flesh, that is all men, would never be destroyed, killed by water again. And so the words cut off means death. Uh, the prophecy that Messiah would be cut off was a pro prophecy of the death of the Lord Jesus. 
Now, when you look at the death of the Lord Jesus from a divine perspective, uh, God gave His Son to the cross. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 4, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Jesus was smitten, He was stricken, and, and from a divine perspective, God was responsible for the death of the Lord Jesus because God gave us His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave His Son. And uh, why did God give His Son to the cross? Well, again, on Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, The Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Jesus was God's sacrifice for sin, and through Jesus, God provided a way to make reconciliation for iniquity. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. I heard a very interesting, moving message this week, this last week. Uh, I got home from... Uh, Wednesday Bible study and and notice that uh, uh, the Woodcrest Baptist Church in the cities uh, was having meetings with John Getch and he preached on the uh, crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, it was it was an amazing message and uh, it kind of you know we kind of and he kind of made the point that many times what do you think about when you see Christ on the cross? Well, you think about this kind of thin person, you know, with a beard, scruffy beard, and some artists have put him on with longer hair and so forth. And, and it, it, you know, you just kind of see this, you can recognize it as a person. But the Lord Jesus Christ was so actually punished and whipped and different, all the things that he went through before that, uh, he, there was no beauty in him that we should desire him. And our, our concept of the Lord Jesus is usually left up to pictures that artists have painted and they have really no idea. They haven't studied the scriptures and found out. If they really, uh, if they really uh, painted it what it must have looked like, uh, they would say, no, we can't do that. You know, that looks too horrible. Well, it was horrible. Jesus suffered, and he bled, and he died, but he did it for you and for me. Uh, it's an, it's an amazing, it was an amazing message, and, I, and I, I can't help but think of that when I think about what God gave, giving his son to die on the cross, and uh, uh, his, uh, it's not like we often picture it or think of it. It's even in a greater way. He was cut off. Uh, he was destroyed. He was killed. Uh, uh, he was uh, uh, not, uh, you know, uh, not uh, allowed to to continue. He was he was uh, removed. But I'm thankful what uh, Daniel says here, and what Gabriel said to Daniel that the Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself. Not, of, uh, not for himself. Who was he cut off for? You and me. He was cut off for us. And praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Now that's, that's a wonderful thought there in that verse, uh, uh, in, uh, uh, as we, we see it there, uh, in verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Again, for, uh, from a divine perspective, the cross was all of God's doing. And yet from a human perspective, Jesus was sent to the cross by who? The Jewish leaders, representatives that rejected him as the Messiah. The Jews, from a human perspective, were responsible for the death. And when they falsely tried him in order to have him crucified, it was a declaration of their rejection. That's what we're talking about here. Their rejection of him as the Messiah. Uh, saying uh, there was a time of construction, of the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple, there was a time of rejection. And the Messiah came and he was cut off, and the Jews rejected him as the Messiah. Now, saying that brings me back to the 70 weeks that Gabriel spoke of. First, there were seven weeks, 49 years, then 62 years, 434 years, giving us a total of 69 years, or 483 years. And many times Bible scholars have taken these 69 weeks, or 483 years, and calculated that from the time of the decree given to allow the Jews to return their, to their land to the very day that Jesus died was exactly 483 years, or 69 weeks. And so once again, you have a wonderful testimony of the accuracy of God's Word. Now there's one final period that is left, and that's the one week. You know, if we've, we've done 69 weeks, then there's one week left, right? 69 plus 1 is 70. Do the math. All right. It's not too hard, is it? You don't even have to take your shoes off for that one. But there's one final period, and that's mentioned in verse 27. A time of construction, a time of rejection, and then a time of desolation. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, or seven years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, some would put, uh, well, we're not going into the, the false uh, teachings, <laughs> that, uh, but uh, some would have the timing all different. But I, I believe the... the uh, timeline that I've given you is, is what I understand to be the most accurate uh, way of picturing this, you know, in a diagram. But uh, at the latter part of verse 26, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war of desolation shall be determined. Again, uh, Gabriel speaking of a time of desolation. Now, we saw this word earlier. It's the word determine, and it speaks of that which is certain. That which is certain. It's a period of time uh, that is certain to happen. Uh, and so as we look at and see Gabriel speaking of this time of desolation, it's when, number one, the temple is going to be destroyed. 
Gabriel said that after 69 weeks that passed, that people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the sanctuary. Uh, that's verse 26. And we know from history that in 70 A.D., the Romans destroyed the temple. And the people of the prince refers to the people of the ruler. Uh, who was the ruler? Rome was the ruling power in Palestine. Now, Jesus himself foretold the destruction of the temple in Matthew 24 and verse 2. Jesus said there, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left one here one stone upon another, that thou shalt be not thrown down. History tells us that when Titus invaded the city of Jerusalem as the temple was burning, the gold inside the temple began to melt and to run down between the stones. And the Roman soldiers pulled up the stones in order to get that gold. They saw that gold running down in there and they, they just they tore it all up. Not one stone was left upon another, as Jesus said. Again, accuracy in the Word of God. Amazingly, uh, hundreds of years before it happened, God told us that it would happen. God told them it would happen. Another great testimony to the truthfulness and reliability of God's Word. So Gabriel not only speaks of the destruction of the temple, but also a time when the temple was defiled. The temple is defiled. Verse 27. Again, and he shall confirm the covenant with many one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of the abomination, she shall make it desolate, even until the consummation that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Up to this point, everything has been fulfilled as history proves. Now, Gabriel looks ahead and sees a time when one would defile the temple and cause the stopping of the offering of the sacrifices in the temple. Now, we know this is to be the Antichrist. Gabriel tells us he shall confirm the covenant for with many for one week. There will be a seven-year period of time when the Antichrist will enter into the covenant with the Jewish people. And we know from other places in the scripture that this is the covenant of peace. You think about all the problems and the difficulty and the chaos that's taking place in the Middle East even today. So many have tried to work out a peace agreement in the Middle East, but all that comes to dismal failure. However, there will be coming a day when one will have an answer to all the problems and bring peace to that troubled part of the world. And he's going to allow them to rebuild the temple, and once again the Jewish people will offer sacrifices in the holy place. But then Gabriel explains, in the midst of one week he will break the covenant, he will stop all the temple sacrifices with an abominations. He shall make it desolate. He will defile the temple. And as we would read in Matthew 24, declares by standing in the temple and declaring himself to be the Christ. Now, we're not going to be around to see that. We're not going to be here on earth to see it. I don't know what we'll see from heaven or from where we are, but... Uh, that's going to play, take place during the Great Tribulation. The Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians 2.4 that he will exalt himself. He will oppose those who defy him. He will set himself up in the temple as God. And however, Gabriel tells us that God will bring him down. 
And we read in the latter part of verse 27, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. God's going to consume the Antichrist and he's going to fulfill his purposes for the nation of Israel. Now, in closing, let me bring you back to the 70 weeks. Between the destruction of the temple and the defilement of the temple, verses 26 and 27, we have a gap. Okay? We have a gap. And we're living in that gap. All right? We're living in the gap right now. It's called the age of grace. Some call it the church age. Because this is the age when God is working through the local New Testament church. And so this is a church age. And Israel rejected the Messiah. God is now calling himself out a Gentile bride. 69 weeks have been fulfilled. 69 of the 70 have been fulfilled. There's one week left. So we're kind of pushed the pause button. God kind of pushed the pause button and he says, here's what's going to happen you know, in this gap. And we don't know how long the gap is. It's interesting we don't know how long that is. Uh, we know how long some of these other things are, but we don't know how long the gap is. But we know it could be over at any moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Uh, the, the trump could sound and we'll be gone. And then that last week can take place. Uh, Jesus is going to come back for his saints. And when he does, it'll usher in that final week of Daniel's 70 weeks. Just as there were first, the first 69 weeks have been fulfilled. According to God's word, just as God predicted, God has given there, that final week is going to happen too. You can count on it. The great question before us is whether or not we're ready. You know, as much of the prophecy as we've seen already fulfilled, history testifies the prophecy, uh, there are prophecies yet to be fulfilled, and they will be fulfilled just as God has said in his word, because his word is true. And so, uh, you know, the question, are we ready? Are we, uh, first of all, do you know Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior? Because if Jesus comes back in the clouds as he says he would do in, in, uh, uh, in the Scripture and catch us away, if you're not saved, you're going to be left here. And I would not want to be left here during the tribulation. It would be better to be with the Lord. And uh, that's the opportunity you have now if you're not saved. As believers, you know, we can say, well, it hasn't happened yet. I can live kind of the way I want to. But uh, God, in light, as we've studied from Second uh, Peter, we need to follow his commands. He's given us some commands to follow in light of his coming. And so we need to be faithful uh, to the Lord in these days. Let's pray. Father.